Welcome to Core 242 Podcast, brought to you by Core Community Covenant Church. Now let's dive into the Word of God with Pastor Max and Pastor Trish. Well, praise God. We're going to dive in into the spiritual gifts. Last week we got into introduction about talking about water gifts and why God gives us the gifts. and um, We went through the list of some of the gifts that are listed in the Bible, the three big scriptures that we're talking about, we're going to be talking about is First Corinthians chapter 12, uh, Romans chapter 12, and then Ephesians chapter 4. So when we read through those, there was about 19 different um, gifts that were listed with those three, three, uh, three scriptures, uh, parts of the scripture. And we were able to look through them and we, out of the 19, we kind of grouped them together that makes sense. So there's going to be about seven to eight teachings um, that we're planning on. The great thing is, again, Trish and I always talk about it. We always like, hey, we're, uh, we're, we're the pastors. If we need to add another <laughs> week, we'll add another week. If there's more teaching or everything mm-hmm. like that, as we research and we see that there, it's just a lot of information in. So it's like, all right, today we're just going to cover that, that gift and that's it because we don't want to hurry through this because they are, <clears throat> there's a lot of questions around there and we want to be, be able not only to explain explain the gifts uh, and show the um, samples of the gifts in the scripture but also just kind of talk about um, how God gets honored in this and why was that gift even there uh, so that way we can as, as a group be able to identify that for ourselves Amen. because sometimes uh, just like last week uh, Trish mentioned people are walking that are gifted, they don't even know that they have that gift. <laughs> so that, this yeah. is kind of is going to be those that kind of teaching. We want people to hear to hear this description. It's, it's not like, "Ooh, I have that," but actually, uh, but actually um, identify it and and start walking in it. Uh, even even when uh, we were studying this there was once uh, one gift that came up and i was like i think i have that one and then trish and i and i discussed about it and i was like you might have what it has in it but you might but the gifting and the calling of that is totally different so we just had this discussion so we're being educated to ourselves and god is just convicting us at the same time so as we went over this list we there's some some spiritual gifts that have been taught just as tradition um, for example someone being a worship leader or even missionary we narrowed it down to those that are specifically listed within scripture so that doesn't mean that people can't have gifts that are outside of the list that we're going to cover mm-hmm. but we wanted to stick strictly with the, those things that are mentioned in the text that we that we said now for example um there's a section where paul talks about whether or not people should get married. And he says, I wish that you were all as I was. In other words, he talks about the gift of celibacy. We're not going to necessarily get into that. We can talk about that topic if that's something that everyone feels they want to study. But it's not listed among the spiritual gifts specifically, but there's conversation about it where Paul alludes to celibacy as being a a spiritual gift. Um, So there's a few that are like that martyrdom, missionary work. There's and we may talk to them as subcategories of a different gift. Uh, but if you've ever taken a spiritual gifts inventory or a spiritual gifts test, 
Um, there's some things that you might test that it would say, well, I have the spiritual gift and you guys didn't teach on that and that wasn't on the list. And that's because we're taking specifically from these three texts and, and we're building off of that rather than just things that we have, we know by tradition or, or whatnot. Um, again, because there would be so many, we would be here for the next, to keep us busy for quite a while. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So thank you for mentioning that because there are a lot and I think a lot of people walk in those gifts, but I don't want them to feel dismissed. So right. I'm, I'm so glad that you, you brought that up. So the two, the two that was put on our hearts to start off is, is apostleship and evangelist. And very important uh, to divide right away uh, because it's I think we need to look into it that we're talking about the gift of apostleship and the gift of evangelism and not the actual um, office. office or title of it all. We know that there, we need to be able to separate, especially with, with apostleship. There were the apostles that Jesus had with him plus Paul, and then now we have we have people who have the gifts of apostleship. Uh, we don't we don't want to say, um, well, people say that the gift of apostleship has died with the, the apostles, and that's it. But that was the title. That was the office of the apostles, the ones that walked with Christ, uh, the ones that Christ sent out. But the gift of apostleships is a, is a little bit different. We're going to go into what that looks like um, in more detail. So, okay. So just kind of looking in the simple things, the, the, the Greek word for apostle, apostle is apostolos. Apo is from. Uh, stello is sent. So you're sent out from somewhere. Um, so with, with, with that mindset, that's why the first apostles that were sent, were sent, sent out, out by, by Christ. That's why when Paul argues his uh, apostleship, he said, Jesus met me. The Lord met me on the road, and he sent me to go and proclaim the good news. That's why he, that was his big thing and that why he was apostle so the just even the word itself understanding that there's an action not only an action of you going out it's also action that somebody sent you out okay uh so the one thing that, that shows apostleship is to be sent to the new frontiers to a new place uh you provide leadership over our churches uh you maintain authority over spiritual matters uh, pertaining to that church so that's kind of the the kind of key things of apostles apostleship is that you've been sent out that that you show leadership over that church and you also have the authority over that church uh when when we think about an apostle somebody with a gift of of apostleship we have to look at paul i, th I think it's it's one of the easiest way to to not the easiest way, but it's the most frequent word attached to apostle. It would be, uh, it would be Apostle Paul in the new church. You, you look at through the scriptures, they mentioned Peter, they mentioned John, uh, but Paul is, is pretty much, I mean, he was also the one who wrote most of it. So he's like, right. yeah, I'm going to mention myself so a lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It helps when you're the author of the, yeah. of the text. So the, the first scripture, just to kind of look at it, we're going to be in Acts chapter 13. 
verse 2 and 4. Acts chapter 13, verse 2 and 4. Now if I start from the beginning of the chapter. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menon, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they have fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. So that, that's, the, that's the, the beginning of Paul's and Barnabas' um, apostleship. This is where the, the, the leadership of the church, the, I'm pretty sure that was the original apostles that were there. I'm pretty sure Peter was there and John and everything else. They laid hands on them, led by the Holy Spirit. And they sent them out. And verse 4 talks about the two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived in Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. Uh, John was with them as their helper. So you see that they, they were guided by the Holy Spirit. The leadership was guided by the Holy Spirit to lay hands on them and send them out for them to now be themselves be guided by the Holy Spirit and go and proclaim the word of God. So that, that's their beginning of the apostleship. That's the works of the apostleship. So as you can see, they're being sent out. It's led by the Holy Spirit, not by men. And then them themselves are being led by the Holy Spirit to proclaim the, the good news in the places that it was not proclaimed before. So as you see, there's the office of the apostle which one of the stipulations was that they were eyewitnesses to the life and ministry of Jesus. They were also specifically appointed and commissioned by Jesus and sent out, which, as he mentioned, Paul experienced that on the Damascus Road. And so he was validated as being the, you know, a 12th apostle. Um, the, the other thing, though, that is a, an attribute of the apostles is going to places that are where the church has not been established and establishing those churches. So most similarly, what we would actually see this gift in is what we would call modern day, we would look at it, missionaries. So you could be a missionary here in the city of Chicago, but it's going to a place to build up the church or to start a church, to plant a church, come alongside a ministry and build up the ministry um, in, a, in a culture that may be different from yours um, or in a place where the church isn't already flourishing. So you see the, the gift of apostleship has to do with starting churches, building the church up, and then overseeing those churches. So it could be someone who's a church planter that you would, would have this gift of apostleship. Again, not the office. The title of apostle is different from the, yeah. the gifting of apostleship. Um, the title of apostle, there, there were only a few who had that title because they were eyewitnesses of the life and ministry of Christ. And so we have to be careful. We mentioned this last week when we were talking about the taking on of these titles, right? Um, there were only a few who were set apart to actually be apostles. So now in modern day, we, we use the term missionary, we use the term church planter. We have a lot of different titles for the operating of this gift. But obviously no one walked, you know, it was 2000 years ago, none of us have walked alongside the earthly ministry of Christ and were directly appointed by him and called um, to be an apostle. So it is possible to have the gift of apostleship, but the way it manifests and the way it looks in the modern day is someone who is called 
to plant a church, to build up the church, or it called to foreign missions. Yeah, a lot of times people who, like when there's um, church planters, mm -hmm. there's a pastor, but there might be a person within their core group who their gift is apostleship. They're the ones who really form the the church itself. The infrastructure. The infrastructure of itself. They help to build mm -hmm. that, that infrastructure. They help. So pastor is there to, and we'll talk about it, but he's there to shepherd, but this person is there to kind of put it all together, like in, in these kind of terms, like help out with the bylaws and help out with the, the, the tax exemption and, and things like that, finding a place to meet. It's things like that, but that's a gift. That, I mean, we're, we were going through it. I've done it with other ministries when we were part of church plant before. So we see how that looks like, and I, I can't even imagine. I feel like it was easier back then. There was no, like, bylaws that you had to go, and you didn't, you didn't have IRS to do the Some of that falls under administration, but as an, you know, someone who has the gift of apostleship, like when you look at the ministry of Paul, he came into a place, he began to preach and teach, he drew the people out who were called to accept the Lord and to follow and receive the Holy Spirit. And he built up that church and he was there for a time. Sometimes he was there for three weeks. Sometimes it was three months. Sometimes it was three years, but then he would move on. And so there's a differentiation there between someone with the gift of apostleship and someone who is called per se to be a pastor. Someone who is called to shepherd and be a pastor is someone who is there for the long term, who gets into discipleship and, and we'll get more into that gift. But I just want to kind of tease that out while we're talking about apostleship um, to see where that difference is. Cause it's not someone who, when, when we use the term like church planter, it'd be someone who's in the, who has the gifting of creating that initial foundation, but then kind of moves on. They don't necessarily stay there. So that's what you see happening with um, not only Paul, but the other apostles, they went to Asia, they went to Africa, they went to different places and they stirred up the gifts and they, they drew people to Christ. They shared the gospel message. They built the foundation of the church, but then they handed the keys over and they didn't necessarily stay there to shepherd for the long term. And that's where the differentiation. So someone who is an apostle might oversee, uh, you know, multiple churches, but they're, they had the mobility to move from place to place and to build up the church where the Holy Spirit was leading them and where they saw fit. Yeah. And the, the other thing the, that I was intrigued about is the title for, for Paul when he says that, that that shows that he has that gift and who he is, is the people that he has touched. I love in the second Corinthians three, they're, they're arguing about who he is and his authority. And he says, you yourselves are a letter written in our hearts, known and read by everybody. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the results of our ministry written, not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but tablets of humans. At that point, some people were talking about, like, show us your recommendation from the apostles, the, the main apostles, that, that you're accredited. And he's like, you're my fruit. What do you mean you're going you're gonna to question that I started this church? Like, you couldn't question my apostleship. So that's the other, other thing of, a, of an apostle that you can, you can see it. You, you can literally see it when people start a church, a, a church planter, like, well, who organized this? I, I did this, this, this is the fruit God used me, used my gifts to put you all together. And, and this is the proof of eventually, it's one of those same thing with prophecy. When, when people are like asking for proof that if prophecy is real, like it did come true. Right. All right. And if it did come through, we're going to throw stones at you, you know? So it's kind of with, with the apostleship. 
<laughs> so I'm, I'm the grace I'm, of Jesus, right? There. I'm all about Leviticus right there, and Deuteronomy. <laughs> no, but but with this, it's the same thing. And somebody's like, "I am apostle." Well, what is your proof? And what, this is this is for for Paul. He's like, "My proof is you guys," you know. So the the, the infrastructure of what I put together of this church, how, however big or however small it is, this this is my fruit. This is my proof of my gifting. So to to understand if somebody I have a gift of apostleship, all right, cool. Show me your the church that you brought together. It's it's kind of one of those things, you know. Show and it doesn't it doesn't have to be a church. It could be. Um, oh, does it have to be a church? I'm sorry. I did you lose it? No, I, I was, was reading I, the next text. No, I was, I was <laughs> no because 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 I was thinking about it when you put a body of Christ because. He didn't start off as like, I'm going to build churches. He just right. brought a the body of with Christ. A yeah, exactly. So the body of Christ. So that could look in many ways. They could, it could look like a ministry mm -hmm. of, 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 of a certain ways. You know, like a glow. You, you guys come together and you worship and, and you look into the word and Christ is the center of it all. Mm -hmm. That could be that body of Christ. So the, whoever have designed that and put an infrastructure together and everything else, you can say like, they had a gift of apostleship because they saw the vision by the Holy Spirit and they were able to put that together. Mm -hmm. Right? Same thing with you, your your prayer group that you have. It was put up by you to you by the Holy Spirit. It was guided. You figured out how this is gonna look. And the people that come to this prayer time and, and listen to you and pray with you and everything else and fellowship with you and cry with you and everything else, <coughs> that's your proof that you have that gifting of bringing all that together because i don't i don't want it to be just you got to be a church planner no no and it's not it's not necessarily that they set out to do that but it's going into places where the church doesn't exist and and creating that foundation so that the church can flourish so if you go to second uh, corinthians chapter 11 uh, it paul actually talks about we won't get into the whole of this the, the whole chapter but he talks about the rising up of false apostles and one of the privileges of being an apostle was that they were supported by the ministry of the church. And so when the funds were raised, um, they were able and free to do the ministry because the gifts and the donations that came in um, were there to help support the apostles. And Paul makes a point of saying, I robbed other churches. This is verse chapter 11, verse eight. I robbed other churches by receiving support from them so that I could serve you. In other words, he went out of his way in order to, not take money from those who he was trying to disciple um, because again when you when you charge for the gospel uh, it diminishes the gospel's power and when you're making a living off of preaching the gospel you're not as bold in your proclamation of the gospel because it's tied to money and paul makes this point and he says that that for such men this is verse 13 for such men are false apostles deceitful workmen masquerading as apostles of christ and no wonder Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness, their end will be what their actions deserve. So there were people who were going around pretending to be apostles and being self-proclaimed, calling themselves apostles and charging people for the preaching of the gospel. This is the very thing that was happening back in Paul's time. And this is what we see happening in, in the modern church is that you have people who are self-proclaimed apostles who are peddling the gospel of Christ, charging money, making a profit off of it, 
um, and not proclaiming the truth for all it really is, um, but they're really false apostles. And we have to be careful of those teachings because the gospel should come free of charge. And Paul talks about one of the last things about an apostle is that an apostle was sent out and because the apostle was being sent to places where the church didn't already exist or where the church needed to be built up, there would be, of course, resistance. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus even says that Paul will have to learn how much he has to suffer mm -hmm. for the name of Christ. Right. And so the, the other piece about an apostle, which a lot of self-proclaimed apostles wouldn't want to, to carry, is that with the title of apostle came the burden that you had to be willing and able to suffer for the name of Christ. Can I can I read this? Yes, you I can. Enjoyed yes, you it. can. So You're excited. About I was this excited text. about this because it was put it was put on my heart as we were as we were going it's through it. It's Second Corinthians eleven twenty four <clears throat> through twenty eight. So he starts off with five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from the rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at the sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled. I have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. And I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concerns for all the churches. This is the cost of apostleship. Like Trish said, like you want you want to say that I have gifts of apostleship and look at what what I have done. Well, just so you know, this is also apostleship. This also kind of comes out as part of the fruit of apostleship is that you're going to go to places that they don't want to hear the gospel. They, you're going to go to places that they're not going to want you to bring people together under the name of the Lord. You'll face opposition and suffer. Yeah. He's, and that's part of the gift is that you're able to withstand that. So a true test of whether or not someone has the gift of apostleship is whether or not they endure under persecution and opposition. And if they crumble or they cave or they compromise the gospel and they compromise the truth um, in order to bend according to what people want and wish and desire, then that's that's a testimony that they're not a true they don't truly have the gift of apostleship because someone who truly has the gift of apostleship will be able to stand the test of people's uh, disfavor, you know, their their poor opinions, persecution, hardship, suffering, and they will endure that because they have so much passion for seeing the church built up. They have so much passion for getting the word of Christ out that they're willing to endure all sorts of physical, emotional, and even spiritual opposition. I love how he ends this. I almost didn't read it, but verse 28 says, besides everything else, he lists all this painful things of hunger, thirst, beaten, almost dying a bunch of times. But besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. He is on his knees. He's crying out. He's racking his brain. He's looking away to better the, the body of Christ. That is his heart. That is his heart. That is his passion is to make sure that that the church is alive and well and healthy. And as you read, when you read his, his uh, letters to different churches, you hear that. Oh, how I yearn to be with you. I have heard that you have gone astray. And it, like you hear the brokenness, 
you hear the passion for them. He hear the love that don't get away from the gospel. Like earlier, uh, when we're reading the, the other scripture, second Corinthians chapter three, he talks about like, I, I hear that you guys are following somebody else. If you hear in a different gospel than the gospel that I have preached, it is false and it's going to lead you to hell pretty much. So that is another uh, burden of the gift is bur being burdened for, for the, the health of the church. And I'm sure it's not just the health of the church that he, he started. It's just as the body, the you know, just like Jesus, he cried out for the believers in, in, uh, in, uh, for, in John chapter 17, he, he cries out to the Lord when he's at the Gethsemane. He cries out for, for, for the church, for the people, and who's going to come after the apostles who will believe. That is another part of being uh, the, having the gift of apostleship. Right? So that, that's kind of some of the keys. So the next thing that we want to talk about, the next gift is evangelism. Uh, and again, separating that from the title or the office of evangelist, as we're, like we've talked about with apostle. And the gift of apostleship. So, uh, the word the word here is euangelizo. Uh, you is well, angelis is message. So it's pretty much talking about messenger of good, or messenger of the gospel. That's in in this in this situation. Those who brings the good news. Uh, those who brings good news. Uh, blessed are the feet that bring the good news. Right. So, so when we're looking at that, as we research and everything else, we, the person that we wanted to look at is, is Philip, and not Philip the Apostle, but Philip the, actually, his name was Philip the Evangelist. That's how he's known by. And we find him in uh, Acts chapter 6. This is a, just to, before I get to, to his, his name, it was a time where ministry was just starting and the needs were, was big, and the apostles were so busy with spreading the word and everything else, there was some people in the church uh, were overlooked. So they decided that they should find more godly people, those who are filled with the Spirit, to, to be chosen to help out with, with other things. So the we're catching now in Acts 6, verse 5, where it says, this proposal pleased the whole group, which were the apostles, the 12 apostles. Um, they chose Stephen or Stephen or however you would like to say it, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanon, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas from Antioch, a converter to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to faith. So this was the introduction of how uh, Philip got to start working, I guess, and, and uh, being one of the chosen seven to spread the gospel, to, to share in, in the work of evangelists and everything else. And Again, we're gonna we're gonna look at two people for for this. We're gonna look at Philip and we're gonna look at Stephen uh, because they they have two different. Uh, as I look at it, they have two different ways that they evangelize and two different 
uh, outcomes and callings that came out of it. So first we wanna look at, at Philip. So soon after this uh, ordination process, uh, again, just wondering how gifts are affirmed and it's you know not one person who uh, anoints or appoints uh, an individual into an office or into a calling or it's the community that can affirm your gifts and collectively uh, praying over and seeking the discernment of the Holy Spirit about what your calling is. And shortly after this incident, uh, persecution increased. And when you look at Acts chapter eight, it says in verse four that those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And so I want to just hone in on the fact that, again, we said there's the office of evangelist, which is someone who has the gift of evangelism, but it's probably coupled with other gifts as well. Uh, maybe being a missionary, uh, preaching and teaching. There's other gifts that come with what we would call the office of an evangelist. And then, but as a church, we're all called to evangelize. We're all called to share the good news. That's actually one of the signs of a heartbeat of being a disciple is that we share the good news wherever we go. Mm -hmm. And so you see, it wasn't just Philip or Stephen who, who shared the good news, but it says all those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. But then it does hone in and it says, Philip specifically, Philip went to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. And all of these signs and wonders begin to take place and people come uh, in no numbers to know the Lord and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But here's the, the part where it gets interesting. After this encounter uh, in, in Acts chapter 8, uh, he, as he leaves Samaria, an angel of the Lord, this is chapter 8, verse 26, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south down the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Gaza. So he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. So Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come and sit with him. The eunuch was reading the passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. As a lamb before the shearer is silent, he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? His life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. So eventually the eunuch becomes baptized and then Philip moves on to another place where the spirit of the Lord suddenly takes Philip away. But there's a couple of things I want to point out here. The, the gift of evangelism is not just that we are all called to preach the good news. Someone who has the gift of evangelism has the ability to take and just naturally weave the gospel message into conversation uh, at any point of intersection. In this case, you know, he, the man happened to be reading a passage of scripture and Philip was able from that very scripture to lead into the gospel message, just seamlessly able to create a bridge between what the man was studying and the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's someone who has the gift of evangelism is able to do that, is able to take natural everyday conversation or any sort of spiritual curiosity and build a bridge between that individual and Jesus Christ, between the gospel message and the heart of a sinner. 
And that is one of the key indicators of, of an evangelist. The other thing that I want to draw out besides just the ability to, to bring the gospel into natural conversation without being forced, uh, is the fact that, which we'll see as a pattern with all of the spiritual gifts before Philip speaks or before Philip takes initiative, he hears from the Holy spirit. It says the angel of the Lord said to Philip to go down that road. And then it says the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Mm -hmm. And the key with spiritual gifts, with all of the spiritual gifts, is that the initiative doesn't start with us. The initiative starts, we mentioned this last week, with the listening yeah, to the Holy Spirit exactly. and receiving a command from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit led him to the eunuch, and he didn't know why. He just knew that he was told to go down that road. Then he leads him directly to the chariot. The Holy Spirit leads him to the chariot. And again, he doesn't know why, but he's just being obedient. And he aligns himself by taking steps of obedience to be in the center of God's will and has an opportunity to present the gospel message. He didn't go out and say, how can I present the gospel message? Let me go looking for someone and find someone. Mm -hmm. He said, Holy Spirit, where do you want me to go? Holy Spirit, who do you want me to speak to? Where do you want me to be today? And as he followed that in obedience, the opportunities to share the gospel message flowed freely. And for those of us who are trying to grow this gift or who have this gift, but are not sure of exactly what it looks like. It starts with listening to the Holy Spirit, leading you and guiding you again in those subtle ways to go to this place, to, to call this person um, and to be available and open to whatever opportunities the Lord may have for you to share the good news. Yeah. And the other thing that, that I thought it was, it was really cool is that uh, when we look at the beginning, uh, beginning of uh, chapter eight, when Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed that Christ, He's very successful there. He's preaching. There's miracles. Demons are leaving. There's people are changing. People are being baptized. The church is growing there. It's a successful ministry. And from and I love that uh, Philip is at a place of surrender and a place of humility and a place of listening to the Holy Spirit that as soon as the Holy Spirit said, go, right. he went. His, his mission, his he aligns his gift with the mission that the Lord has, and he doesn't just are content with, well, I preach here, they're listening, and I'm going to stay here. No, the Holy Spirit spoke to him, and now he's moving to proclaim, proclaim the gospel somewhere else. And then again, when he leads this Ethiopian um, person to towards salvation, towards understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ and baptizing and everything else, he doesn't stay there. He doesn't go to Ethiopia with him. He doesn't start a church there. He doesn't use this new relationship to grow more. No, he gets called to Caesarea. Um, he, he appears at Azotus and travel about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. So God moves him again. He could have had a successful thing there with Ethiopian, but no, he gets moved by the Holy Spirit to go and preach somewhere else. The whole, his whole passion is to preach the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is for some people, we're, we're, we'll preach the gospel, but it's not like that, 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 that doesn't, it's not our passion. It's not our life. It's not our, you know, um, Philip shows that wherever, you know, it's a send me, I'll go kind of thing to proclaim, to proclaim the good news. So that, I think that's, that's a very important point also to, to see. And to differentiate 
with just being a Christian and sharing the gospel and actually having the gift of evangelism. Yeah, he absolutely, for him, the key is to share the gospel wherever he goes. And he's able to share with crowds and he is able to follow the Holy Spirit to go after just the one, um, the one who's along the road who wouldn't have been reached by his teaching. He's not about the numbers. He's not about planting a mm -hmm. church and growing a church. Although the church did plant and the church did grow and the church did succeed, someone who's an evangelist is not necessarily the one who does the pastoring and the shepherding and the discipleship. Uh, and again, this is why we're one body with many parts, mm -hmm. because that doesn't mean that the discipleship and the follow-up shouldn't be happening. Good evangelism should require that someone comes through to do the hard work of right teaching, discipleship, shepherding, pastoring. And so we need one another because, you know, Philip had this amazing gift of being able to roll out and lay out the gospel message in a clearly understandable way, in a relatable way, connecting to the person at the place and situation where they were in life. But we don't see him staying the way Paul, who was someone who was, you know, planting churches with the gift of apostleship, he often stayed for a period of time to make sure that the people were rooted and grounded and planted in in sound doctrine and teaching. Yeah, and this this is perfect. The scripture shows perfectly how when we're all working in our gifts and everything else, it just kind of works out because uh, Philip here, he preached and everything else and people came to the Lord and here comes Peter, Apostle Peter and Apostle John. And now they're laying hands on people and the Holy Spirit is coming and they're getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. So now, now there's becomes an authoritative uh, figures that come in and start shaping the the church. Making sure there's infrastructure. Exactly. So to, to carry out the ministry for the long term. Yeah. The other thing that I wanted to bring up as an example is, is Stephen uh, for two things. Philip has the same thing. Uh, it's the gift of, of knowing the scripture. For them, they actually they knew the, the Old Testament as, as a good Jews that they were. Um, and then also they they knew how to connect to who Jesus was. So with Philip, he the eunuch reads a passage and he's like, this is how I'm going to connect it to what I know about Jesus. Right. And then we look at chapter 7 with Stephen. Um, it was the same thing in the chapter 6, actually. Uh, verse, verse 8, Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, did great wonders and miracles signs among the people. Opposition grew against him and everything else, and he had to testify about who Jesus was. And if you, this is the mo for me, it's very amazing because starting in chapter seven, uh, Stephen starts preaching. And the cool thing about this is you read it, he starts from the beginning, he knows the scripture. And I think that's what upset them so much. The, the Jewish leaders upset them so much because he knew the word. And he started preaching the word and he started going from from the from the beginning uh, of of who who people were, who how Israel happened, the enslavement of Jacob, Abraham. Like he just went through the whole history. It's a very long chapter um, of that chapter seven, where you just see it over and over and over again, where he's just bringing scripture upon scripture upon scripture. And he's relating that scripture to Jesus Christ. So to be an evangelist, you got to know the word. It's not just going out there and saying your opinion. You got to know the word. And I know Jesus said, when they question you, don't worry what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit is going to do it. But 
there was also knowledge here that came and that's how you can also uh, somebody who's an evangelist they're passionate about the word of god they study the word of god they study apologetics they study they study other religions so when there's conversations that they know those things you got you got to be a knowledgeable person you should don't just stand there on the corner and start screaming at people um your opinions about jesus and your opinions about no it, it comes with the knowledge of who jesus are and then uh, that knowledge comes through the scriptures so that's uh, to me i feel like it's a very important part well you know your audience and you know the word of god exactly. so you're not using a, st a standard template of you know abc's to christ it's uh, although there's probably a place for that as people are learning to evangelize and learning to share their faith but what really connects with people is the testimony and the personal connection between the scriptures that cut to the heart of the of the audience and connecting it their situation in life to the word of god and to christ revealed through scripture and that's that's how you present the gospel message not necessarily abc's to salvation uh, which is a one size fits all. Uh, that's helpful to remember to make sure if we if we're not rooted and grounded and know the word inside and out the way that obviously Stefan knew the word so well mm -hmm. to make sure that we don't miss any points to, to the salvation message. But it also is not as personal and doesn't relate and connect to the person. It, it's not really allowing the Holy Spirit to move and inspire you. He, I mean, we're told by Jesus to not worry about when we're called in front of people to worry about what we'll say because the Holy Spirit will give us mm -hmm. words. Yeah. And yet sometimes we resort to these tools uh, because we're afraid and we don't know how, but someone who has the gift of evangelism is able to do that in a personal way and in a way that is uh, living and active as the word of God is alive and active. Absolutely. And I, just just the same way with apostleship, with evangelism, there, there's some cost to it. The first one that, that I, I wanna mention with looking at Philip, it's there's not a lot of um i don't want to say reward but you know he goes out there and preaches but then john and peter comes and you know and there's the john and peter. like we know john and we know peter how many people know about philip the evangelist right you yeah know he did I mean? amazing work for the he, kingdom and laid the foundation for the church absolutely he's he was there he's preaching but the cost is that it's not that you're not that famous you know, I mean, nowadays, everybody, every evangelist out, out there on the TV and YouTube and whatever, Instagram and TikTok and whatever things, they, they're trying to be famous about it. But uh, evangelists of, of this era, those who are truly called, they just want to preach the gospel. And that's it. They don't, they don't want the fame. And a lot of times they preach the gospel and, and that's it. They, they, they put the seeds down and somebody else comes and waters them and, and pull the harvest. And they don't, a lot of times they don't even see the harvest. They just faithfully listening to the Holy Spirit. They just preach the gospel and they move on. The other thing is with, uh, how do you, what do you say? Stefan. Stefan. With Stefan, you look at uh, chapter seven, verse four, 54, he just finished saying all the things and, and evangelizing to, to the Jewish people. And this is their response. When they heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. Um, so, and the, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices. They all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. That, that's, that's what he got out of preaching the truth. That's, that's also the cost. That's also the cost. 
that sometimes you're going to be at a place when people don't want to hear the scripture. You might be made fun of. You might be physically abused. Um, you may lose friendships. You may lose friendships. You may lose family. But if you have that gift of that that fire burning you, like Jeremiah talked to, talks about it, I have fire in my bones that if I don't speak the word of God, I will be consumed. Um, there's people who have the calling of evangelism that that's how they feel. They want to say it, and they say it with truth, and they say it with love. Um, and a lot of times it does not this doesn't come to a happy ending, but they got to say the truth. They got to preach the gospel wherever they go. So that's the calling. So when you, when you guys are looking, when you're looking at your life and looking for, uh, are you, do you have a spiritual gift of apostleship or do you have spiritual gift of evangelism? Look into the, look into the, the Bible and see what that looks like. And one, do you do you want do you really want that? Do you really want that? Or is it just so like a cool title to have? But do you really want that that burden over the churches? Do you want the burden of not being able to not speak about Jesus, about presenting the gospel? Like that, like he says, pick up your your cross daily. And those are some of the crosses that people pick up each and every day to 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 go out and start churches to go out and uh preach the gospel each and every day uh, so it's not something that we should lightly choose because no. we took we took a quiz on online and like oh you're an evangelist all right cool but no. it should be something that we hunger after and i pray that mm -hmm. even as people are listening to this teaching that there would be some who would be moved to say you know i know that the lord is looking for more for more evangelists, for more people who would be fearlessly proclaim the word of truth, who would hear from the Holy Spirit on that yes. level, the way yes. Philip heard, mm -hmm. go here, talk to this person, you know, and they're hungry to hear from the Holy Spirit in that way mm -hmm. and would would fearlessly proclaim the word of truth. I pray that there's people who would desire that gift and that God would pour out his spirit to give them that, that very desire of their heart. Absolutely. That's why we even each other out. Like I'm like, be cautious because this is a and big... I'm like, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Well, I, we pray that the, this message blessed you. Um, uh, we we love you. Remember, you're loved. And we covered in prayers. Amen. Amen. Thank you for spending time with us during this episode. We pray that this teaching blessed you and brought you closer to understanding God. If you'd like to contact us, please email us at courtchurch242 at gmail.com. Until next time, know you are loved and covered in prayer.